Living the Dream acknowledges the traditional owners of the land it is recorded on, especially the Jagera and Turrbal peoples, elders past, present and future, and their continuing struggles for justice and self-determination. Podcast. Living the Dream is an irregularly published anti-capitalist podcast from Brisbane. Hello, you're listening to Living the Dream, Queensland Votes 2017 special. <sighs> hey, hey, John, how's things? Yeah, good. Self? I'm good, I'm good. Do you want to tell the listeners what your Twitter handle is so people can tweet at you? At John Pacini. Have you For got, all the abuse you've got at me. Have you got increased characters? Oh, not yet. No. How weird. does that work? I think I, think I do. I yeah, I don't know. I don't seem to. Maybe because like, I said that I would never use, I'm on the record as saying on Twitter, that I would never use the full 2A characters. Yeah, maybe, maybe they're they not given it. To, they have like a fuck you algorithm. Yeah, no. I think all, all algorithms just fuck you. <laughs> fuck you algorithms. <laughs> and I am, um, I'm Dave, and you can reach my Twitter at with sober senses. And John and I have been planning for the last couple of weeks to have a chat about the Queensland election, and we just haven't been able to get our shit together. No, so, typical living the dream. Typical living the dream. Typical Queensland. But mm. we've got it together now, and we want to have a pretty quick chat uh, about the Queensland election. L- loyal listeners might remember last Queens- Queensland state election. We did like five episodes. Mm. I think it was four and yeah, it was a like three, it was a three part special with four episodes. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yes. that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the days. Um, and it was actually life was I was thinking about this. It's actually kind of interesting because when we did that um, mm. was when Jonathan Sree was doing a state election campaign in the yeah. lead up for running for council, and we didn't really know. A lot of mm. it. we didn't really know Jono, we didn't that well, all the comrades around his campaign, and we're now like yep. quite closer to those people too. So that's there's been mm. an interesting um, period. But just to recap, I guess, um, beginning of 2015, there is a Queensland state election, and the Campbell Newman LNP government suffers a massive swing against it. So this government had a very clear policy, which was an attempt to massively lower state debt uh, and stimulate investment through um, huge cuts to public sector, attempts to privatise, well, in fact, what they called lease, but it was effective privatisation of state assets to fund massive infrastructure uh, spending, right? And this, you know, I... I People who know me know that I kind of bang on about this because I was writing about this on one of my blogs at the time, and this was part of a national strategy led by the Abbott hockey government. And I think in many ways, like the defeat of the Newman government, with this really unexpected swing against it, right, I don't think you could say that the Palaszczuk ALP party really expected to win at that time. No. Like, I think they were as, as shocked as, um, as anyone else. And mm. that election result kind of was really... I think part of the nail in the coffin of the Abbott hockey liberal government as well. Hmm, I hadn't thought about it that way. Yeah. What's well, the dates on that? Because I think doesn't Turnbull comes in in September of 2015. But, but I think that, that strategy of um, 
asset privatisation to fund infrastructure. Like mm. New South Wales is able to pursue that, mm. but I think New South yep. Wales is also able to pursue it. Um, I was reading something about this the other day because the high, the ridiculously high um, housing prices in Sydney actually mm. lead to a huge amount of income that flows into the state government. Yeah, from stamp duty and whatever. Yeah, totally. Because yeah. like, if I remember, if I remember, like houses under eight hundred thousand dollars or something are exempt of stamp duty, but mm. the medium house price in Sydney is either eight hundred thousand dollars or higher. Yeah, so totally. The amount of money that's flowing into Sydney is huge. So there's a like Sydney, mm. Queens, uh, New South Wales has been able to do it, and the Palaszczuk mm. government was elected. Uh, like thinking back at the time, there had been quite a lot of an attempt on the left, I think, to kind of see the Palaszczuk victory as some kind of like social democratic resurgence amongst the Queensland population. There was a large mm. level of euphoria. And I think it's worth kind of thinking about like what the Palaszczuk government was and what's going on in Queensland and then kind of talk about the election. Yeah, no, I think that's a, that's a fair call. I mean... Maybe to get started, I saw today that uh, Curtis Pitt remarked that Queensland will never be out of debt. And so Curtis Pitt is the treasurer. And he's, that's true, yeah. right? Like, mm. look, I think, yeah, so what's going on in Queensland mm. at the moment? What did the Palaszczuk government do? Mm. Um, it's quite, like, they're quite a boring government. Like, yeah. I, like my kind of take on it is that if, you know, th their entire pe appeal was like an appeal of social peace, yeah, that the um, the Newman government had this really clear strategy. This really clear strategy was divisive and unpopular, yeah. And the Palaszczuk government was just like to stop it. And I think like the left at the time interpreted what the Newman government was doing was just pure ideology. Like, so mm. the Newman government was arguing that there was a debt crisis and the response of the left was to say there's not a debt crisis. Rather, mm. rather it's just, you know, the Liberals are using this as an excuse. I think that was mm. that was kind of wrong. Like, it was more like the coalition always, or the LNP, I always get them confused, what's the appropriate term in Queensland? It's um, LNP. Yeah, the LNP. Um, like overemphasize the level of the crisis mm. but there certainly is in Queensland since the financial crisis and then since the end of the mining boom like a mm. drop in the growth of capital accumulation and mm. a rise in state debt and mm. what the Palaszczuk government did to shift um Queensland into a very you know to get to stop the deficits to have very small surpluses was to take huge chunks of that debt and mm. basically do an accounting trick and pass yeah, it move it around a bit yeah then moved it onto the um, the books of the state-owned electricity companies mm. and then what they also did um, in the last budget and I've been told that this is technically the incorrect term but I like using it is mm. they they raided public sector superannuation. So yeah. the way that, it was, that someone who knows about this stuff explained it to me was because the Newman government cut so many positions, the, mm. the super fund for public servants, like 
I've forgotten the term. There's like if you've been actually in the public sector for a while, you had a particularly good mm. super deal, which yeah. which pays you out um, a considerable amount every year. And the term for that has just slipped my mind. Yeah, no, it's it's um, on the tip of my tongue. I can't remember. Like direct benefit or something like that. Some, yeah, something like that. And there's like a there's defined benefit. Yeah, defined benefit. I think that's it. Yep. And there's like a, a, a potentially based on the books, like a surplus of how much is in the super funds to fund the people who will be potentially accessible mm-hmm. for that fund. So yep. they raided that and put it onto the state coffers and they took more than the Treasury actually recommended. And the thing that kind of really you know boils my potatoes is that the union together defended this against their members. So yep. like, that's what the Palaszczuk government like has done. Like... I guess if you're going to celebrate them, they did increase expenditure on the public service, and there has been a rise yeah. in um, mm. the employment. It's been a public net service. increase of like about four thousand, I think. Yeah, they've employed about seventeen thousand new public servants after Newman cut like thirteen thousand. And it's it's not nothing, right? Like no. I've been trying to work out a way of like theorizing this or or kind of understanding it. Whereas, like, oh, you know, what does the state do? You know, the state functionally works to reproduce capitalist society as capitalist society but you know like mm. since we live in capitalist society that does matter yeah you know like the I, the newman government shut down um a specialist um healthcare facility for youth with mental health issues and yeah. arguably that led to like the suicides of a whole bunch of young people <laughs> so like mm. like it's, it's not a it's not a joke it's a it has real world consequences, you know. And, yeah, and you can't be. That's particularly... kind of the the line that people take from the defending labor is, you know, oh, at least labor gets to bring back these services. It'll be very interesting to see if labor actually did bring well, those services back online and to what degree. Well, I, I think I think that's the hard thing too. Is like you know the left in particularly, like is still so much in the orbit of the labor government that there has been very little criticism during the Palaszczuk period, like mm. except for Adani, and we should talk about that in a in a yeah. in a second like it's been i think it's been a weird couple of years in canberra where in canberra it's been a weird couple yeah. of years in queensland um where there's been this kind of just so, this kind of manufacturing of social peace like the the debt has continued mm. to grow capital accumulation has has been low but because the unions in particular are just so embedded into the alp machinery there's been very little criticism of what's been going on or very little even kind of debate in Queensland society, like, except for, I think, Adani and local development. Yeah, I think that's about right. And, I mean, there's been... Yeah, I mean, I can't really think of anything, any substantial policy they actually did. I, like, honestly, like, I can't think of anything. Well, this was, I, no, I think that's true. Like, I was, I was sitting there going, like, actually, what are, what are the policies? Like, what has this government done? I think mm. there, there was, um, like, changes to industrial relations legislation that brought in minimum yeah. employment conditions. Oh, but that's um, mostly federal. Like, there's not much they can really do at the state level about well, it, that. Like, it mainly had impacts on public servants. Yeah, sure. But okay. like so, but I to, like for me, it was also really interesting because it showed the kind of weakness of my union. Like yeah. while they were trying to bring this legislation through, together tried to organise like a thunder clap, so you know, like everyone <laughs> tweets at the same time, and it got like five hundred people participating in it. So it's like 
You know, that's less people than a meat, like a half decent craft beer or like a donut yeah, pop up yeah. shop. Yeah. <laughs> but it does. It, it it's like only a quarter as many as you get at a combined craft beer donut pop up <laughs> yeah, shop. Yeah, it's fucking nothing. And, and I think this has also been kind of reflected that, like, if you think about the campaign that's going on at the moment. Yeah, it's like seems to mainly be Labor and the unions saying that the LNP will mm. be just like the Newman government, and the yeah. LNP saying no, we won't. Yeah, and then like both of them sort of having this weird, the weird specter of one nation that hangs over them, where Labor yeah. on the one hand is saying the LNP are going to be just like the LNP last time, then saying as well they're going to align with one nation and be total like assholes and so much worse and racists and whatever, you know. So they kind of got two lines. That maybe don't really coincide. Yeah, it's like it's like almost like since there's no positive project to the Palaszczuk government, like the only thing they can manifest uh, manif- manifest is like the fear of mm. um, of like the the previous Campbell Newman government, which had a really big you know like I, I work in the public sector, and it is without a doubt the Newman government had a massive impact on people's living conditions through its cuts. Right, so. Um, yeah, but it's also like Queensland state debt does remain really high, you know, and yeah, state debt like it's like um, eighty one billion or something. Yeah, like, it is. All the figures today. Yeah. Um, so basically, the social piece means all they've been able to do is just kind of like stabilize that, and mm. that's in the context, you know, like a global context where that will really become an issue come the next crisis. Yeah, that's right. I mean, Queensland is, my understanding is that Queensland's economy has been very sluggish in comparison. Like, I don't know the full details, but it seems that, like, our unemployment is quite a bit higher than in other states, or at least in some regions in particular. Yeah, I I think that, look, that's actually, I think, right on, John, is, like, something that preparing for this has really got me thinking about is, like, how kind of growth stats hide regional disparities, yeah. So, like, that's right. there there is um, a paper by the Reserve Bank of Australia, like, a, from one of their recent bulletin, where they mm. do really really identify that Queensland and Western Australia have much lower growth rates than, say, mm. New South Wales and Victoria, because in the wake of the mm. mining boom and the construction mining boom, where investment is happening is in business services in Sydney and in, yeah. in Melbourne, but Queensland, but. When you break that up, like what well, what has been happening in Queensland? It's been the real estate boom bubble, yeah. But that's effectively a circumference of ten kilometers around Brisbane, yeah. You know, like so it, it's and then if you try to look at the regional disparities, like within Queensland, so yeah. in the last uh, Queensland budget, on like page forty one or something hidden in there. There's a mm. stat that unemployment in Townsville and rela- mm. the other areas they're put in this category they invent is about twelve percent. Mm. So, like that, I think the re- like I think the region, like not only is Queensland doing badly, but the regional disparities within Queensland are, are massive. And yeah, and they're even more pronounced now, um, as you've mentioned, because of the nature of the boom that we're in at the moment. Yeah, it's for me. It's like it led to, and I'll try not to bore people too much with this. Like the, this kind of interesting, like theoretical problem. So, like 
uh, I feel a bit nervous getting to this, but I'll do it quickly because I was, mm-hmm. I was like, I should raise this in the podcast. So, like in the third <laughs> in the third volume of Capital, mm. Marx talks about capitalism has a tendency to create an average rate of profit, and mm. so what the argument is basically about is that um, if, in short, right, if yep. companies just got the profit from the workers that they themselves directly exploited, then companies, and since profit surplus value can only come from labour, then low-tech companies that employ a lot of people would be profitable and high-tech companies wouldn't. Mm. And Marx argues, well, this is not the case because there's a tendency towards the creation of an average rate of profit. And this works because companies within a similar firm compete to each other and prices, yeah. what, what, however technological they are, prices kind of hover around a market value and capital yeah. flows from profitable areas, from less profitable areas to profitable areas. And so it means if there's an area where there's a lot of companies are making a high profit, more capital comes in, more products are made and, you know, the prices drop down. So this kind of constant flow of capital has this tendency to create an average rate of profit, which means that mm. companies get a return based on the size of their investment, so not just their workers that they exploit. Um, so it means like where surplus value is accumulated and where it is realised is actually different spaces. It's about the size mm. of investment. But for this to happen, um, like capital has to be able to move freely and people have to be able to move freely too. But I think when you kind of put in like these regional disparities, I think what you actually get a situation is where, you know, you could theorise, and I don't know how you'd test it, where there's actually um, different rates of profit in different areas in a country Mm. where, you know, capital that can move to profitable areas and some capital can and capital that can't gets stuck and it creates these kind of disparities. So like during the mining boom, for example, um, mm. might there, like I would argue that there wasn't the creation of an average rate of profit because not everyone can open a mine, right? No. You've, you've got to actually have the mineral resources. So, like, and there was a shortage of labour too. So I think, like, my hypothesis is um, that with these regional disparities in Australia is actually this form- formation of this fracturing of the rate of profit. And it's yeah. important because, like, from, like Marx argues it's the average rate of profit that actually makes capitalists a class, if that makes sense, because it yeah. creates behind their backs a shared interest. But I think if you say there's regional disparities, then there's actually fractures in capital. And mm. I think that partly helps explain just how fractured Australian capital is as well. Mm. Well, it makes sense to me if you think about that recently the WA Liberals put a party policy forward that they would seek secession. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's actually in there now. You know, in North Queensland, you know, like this election is going to show up, I think. Remarkable regional disparities, and, you know. The rise of one nation this time around, which we can talk about, but I mm. think has a lot more to do with, I think, regional downturns and the nature of the regional, the nature of the, of the kind of, of the regional economy that we have and it had to do with with racism and their response to the Mabo judgment and immigration and and whatever it was in the yeah, 90s yeah yeah I, th- I think yeah that's yeah definitely um and also like i guess what's the bugbear lurking in this as well is that there's a national appreciation of queensland politics which i think is wrong too yeah like people just expect queensland to be this particularly reactionary area and that's why they mm. explain one nation and they fail to kind of, you know, like grasp some of this shit that's um, that's going mm. on. 
But I think it's like I think for me, like this is why also why the Labor government is so committed to things like Adani. Yeah, because it's the only way they can talk to the regions. And what? if you look at, if you listen to what the Labor people say on Facebook, they're just like, "Oh, you don't understand regional Australia. They just want jobs." You know, none of these people have even been to regional Australia anytime recently. You know, but they just this is the only way they can talk. You know, this is the only way that they're really rhetorical device they have. Well, there's, there's like a kind of truth to that, right? Though, like, mm. you know, if you've only got cap in the absence of like attempts to build an alternative society. Yeah, drops in the level of capital accumulation are just experienced as like social sickness. Mm. You know, just high unemployment, fracturing of the yep. areas, people leaving. Mm. So like, and uh, but I think like it's bullshit, right? Like, mm. I th- like jobs are not returning to regional Queensland. No, like, I mean, if they do, it's only going to be on the boom bust cycle. You know, like. Yeah, and, if Adani if Adani is built, what there'll be like thirteen hundred jobs. So even flow on it's fucking tiny, right? So I, yeah. I think this is, but like, um, and I think the other thing that the other way that this gets talked about is the LNP trying to capitalise it by talking about crime. Mm. You know, so I had a chat like at your birthday, in fact, John. Mm. I think um, yes. Rob made the comment that you know people talk about um, Rob, friend of the show. People yeah, talk about good, the, the rise in crime in in Townsville. Yeah, and, totally. And, and he was like, "Well, actually, you know, crime stats haven't risen that, that substantially." And I went off to have a look at it, and it seems like if you look at the ten year stats, yeah. crime is actually lower in Townsville than it was <laughs> ten years ago. But if you look at the one year stats, it's higher. Mm. Which totally. I think, which I think, people experience as a rise in crime. <laughs> Does that make sense? I wrote a piece back in the day for the for our blog about um, policing the crisis mm. and talking about the Newman government. And you're talking about that just makes me think about yeah, how much in Britain, you know, in the 80s there was this, um, you know, there was the attacks on the miners and there was significant miners unions by Thatcher and there were really significant social conflicts. But there was also a rise in massive over policing of of particular criminalized minorities mm. it was seen as a way of so Stuart Hall comes up with this concept of policing the crisis and it's always really interesting to think about the way that that yeah like you said there is no actual real increase in crime <laughs> but it is a way of policing the crisis up in the north yeah, it is totally. a way of making people feel more secure and in seeing the government's working for them if it can't deliver them jobs at least it can deliver them you know curfew on like scruffy teenagers well, well, and also let, let's face it like you know it's racialized in, in oh totally yeah, you know, yeah like so so for people that don't know the lmp is campaigning on introducing mm. a curfew or a 10 p.m curfew mm. on young people mm. um and like that it, it's that'll be totally racialized you know the the bunt the bolt the brunt of that would be felt by young Indigenous people. And I was thinking this mm. the other day. I was like, curfew, 10 o'clock. It's like, actually, when I was 16, I think I was, like, going into the centre of Sydney on Friday and Saturday nights to see bands and, like, coming home at 2 in the morning. So, yeah, yeah that curfew is just completely fucking ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, totally. And it kind of coincides interestingly with, you know, the LNP's, like, massive opposition to the lockout laws which are overwhelmingly, you know, being experienced as like an attack on like white middle class people in Brisbane oh, and their yeah, ability to go out and socialise. Yeah. 
Yeah, and on the other hand, you know, like they're saying, oh, yeah, we're going to make sure that no kid in Townsville is, you know, <clears throat> out past daylight. Have you paid much? So um, I guess that, that sets the scene where Queensland's at. Um, <laughs> The from what I can, I can, you know, I have been trying to look at the various different election campaigns. Have you had a look at them at mm. all, John? I did have a quick breeze through them all yesterday. Yes. Anything stand out to you? It's mundanity of like pretty much between the labor between labor and the liberals in the, in one nation. You could literally like swap the policy documents, and you would probably not really be able to tell the difference easily. Yeah, I, I think it was one nation are all glossy now. Like, the, the, the they've thing, got a proper policy booklet. The know, thing that James we, Ashby's done wonders for them. The, well, the thing that struck me about the LNP was, like, the vast amount of policies. Yeah, it, was like they it took went, me, like, look, a day to scroll through it all. It, it, was, it was like, every, we need some policies. Mm. Just everyone bring five. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and, we had policies for tackling crime in Cairns and policies for tackling, tackling crime in Townsville that were identical, but so they got separate entries. It's, it's interesting, like, they have, in the, the shaping of their campaign, they're really trying to, like, do a kind of, like, a small L libertarian government get out of the way enterprise mm. and frontier rhetoric, which is just, like, mm. fucking completely empty. But mm. the only major point, I think, of differentiation that stands out is power is their line on power prices, mm. where they are arguing that they will help build a um, state-supported but privately owned coal-fired power <laughs> plant in North Queensland. Yep. Um, which is worth talking about why they're suggesting doing something so fucking insane. Um, the mm. the ALP, like I can find, like their entire approach, as I said before, I think is we're not Newman, yep. um, and we'll do more of the same and a bit better. Okay. And, we're going to hire more public servants. We're going to, um, you and, know, they've got their fifty percent renewables plan at the same time as building Adani, but Adani, yeah, they don't really mention that explicitly, of course. Yeah, and um, and I and One Nation as well is kind of interesting, mm. right? Like, mm. um. The most reactionary element to it at the moment seems to be around their opposition to safe schools. Yeah, it's like they've just taken like every weird culture war grab bag they could find. Like they've got the shooters stuff. They've got you know like people who are worried about you know um, about farmers and whatever. Like you know they've always tried to be a little bit like the nationals, but you know never this overtly. And yeah, yeah. the safe school stuff is kind of rich coming from them. And you know last week one of their blokes, one of their candidates was in trouble for like for something he did with his sex shop. Oh, that's right. It's very, like, I, it's, yeah, it's, it's very strange. I got a leaflet in the mail today. Um, yeah. I got two leaflets, one on abortion and one about safe schools. Can I read this to you? Right. It's mind-blowing. You may. It's so must. It, the, the headline <laughs> is Stop Labor and Greens Extreme Sex Education. Mm. Um, and Caroline made a whole series of jokes about what extreme sex education might be. I um, only have extreme sex. Yeah. <laughs> Um, then it says Labor wants kids taught that. So listen to this. Labor wants kids taught, taught that schools can decide that parental consent is not needed for a student to undergo irreversible hormone treatment. So like the actual claim is that kids will be taught that schools mm. can decide without parental consent. That's a weird fucking claim. Then it That's, just has four yeah. dot points. First one, transgender. Mm. Second one, gender fluid. Next one, demigender. 
Next one, 40% girl plus 60% boy. Then another byline, protect our kids when you vote. Put Labor and Greens last. Find out more at kidsrights.org.au. And even best, on the back, there's more of the fucking same, but they have a quote from Ros Ward, and I think Ros would actually love this. And the quote is, I not only teach people how to be gay, I teach them how to be gay and communist. So invite me to your school, if you will. Like, (laughs) that's... That's an amazing. That should be like a like Twitter bio. But it but it's something like the right actually lives in crazy mm. town. Oh, totally. You know, like th- this is like th- that is one step away from saying cultural Marxism. Yeah, but it's like this is their like constituency now. Like, what what is the left really like? They don't really speak to the business community anymore. Who are mm. kind of happy to sort of who who you know business business community doesn't want a state-owned coal-powered fire station like okay like all they've got left is this weird you know safe schools and like fighting shadow fights you know i think i think that okay that's a really good point about this cult like what the fuck is that about mm. like like, like pa- go, you go go well i mean we can like if you want to make it about you know that you want to mine coal you know yeah you can do that you can export it you know you don't need to actually use it here and i think that's increasingly what business want they they want to be exporting this stuff they don't want to be using it here here you know it's all about transitioning you know to renewable energies which is something we need to oppose as well you know like forcing the burden of climate of of climate change onto the third world Mm. but you know like it's just culture war like literally they're just fighting a culture war with power stations which is mind-blowing, right? Mm. I, like, the way that I kind of think about it is because I've been doing some work on it. One of the reasons why I haven't been able to do more on the podcast, um, I've been mm. writing this this chapter, and it's about power prices um, of, all, mm. of all things. So they're, they're like, there is at the moment, like, considerable concern about price and supply of electricity. Yeah, totally. You know, and I think it, in our daily lives, like, Power bills are fucking huge, right? So mm. I don't know how much they've increased in Queensland, mainly because I've just been reading about Victoria. But Victoria is the interestingly like because um the other thing the LNP have been arguing for is increased competition in mm. um in power generation and power supply. Victoria has the longest history of privatization and competition in power, and the Thwaites report, which came out a couple of months ago, details that they actually have the highest consumer prices. Mm. But there, there is concern that the national energy market um, is potentially going to have a drop in supply of power. And it's really fucking weird why this is happening. Mm. So the Grattan Institute basically say is that renewable power generation is making power so cheap mm. because basically after you build it, there's no fucking inputs to it that it yeah. renders coal power uncompetitive. So the, the way that the national mm. energy market works is like the national Australian National Energy Operator or whatever they're called, they've got some acronym, like mm. kind of every yeah. cell like makes offers to buy electricity every five minutes. And yeah. all the different companies, um, so it's everywhere but put in, in the, Australia. Put in a bid, basically. Yeah, they put in a yeah. bid and then... Like when they've got enough electricity for what they need, they take the highest bid of mm. what they need, right? So, like, 
um, and they pay everyone under that line that amount. So each yep. company, you know, tries to bid each other down. Um, yep. But what that means is like, like the, apparently the situation is that since power threatens to be able to bid so cheaply that it makes everything, um, it makes coal power inoperative or unprofitable. Mm. Yeah. But rather than this actually leading to an overall cheapening in power, what's happening is just there's a drop in supply. Like you're having all these yeah, coal power the plants. Uh, yeah, they're getting phased out. They're yeah, getting phased like, out, but renewables aren't being built. Yeah. So you're like, which is just it's fucking crazy. Like, you know, so it's mm. it's interesting because I think you know both like the coal, you know, the supporters of coal capital and the supporters of solar capital, like mm. see this as like a, a technical problem. Like the yeah. like the um, the coal pro coal people say, pat like renewables can't produce the power. Um, the solar people say, you know, coal pollutes, and it's just like they've got government advantage. But it's actually like the weird way that profit is operating in this moment. Mm. Um, yeah, totally. So it's it's creating this like drop in supply, and so it's a, yeah. like I think there's some of that kind of like so that it seems like the LNPs and the response and the coalition federally is to mm. like compel the national mm. energy market to buy coal so yeah. the, the current turnbull plan is basically all the retailers will have mm. to buy a certain amount of power generated by coal yeah because like the the other side to it is because like renewables can't produce um they have intermittent production until we build batteries yeah potent, like so when it's you know cloudy potentially there'll be less mm. electricity or not windy so then there's these price spikes as well so like this the grattan institute so that's a pretty centrist institute says it's this kind of like drop in overall market prices for electricity mm. but this potential yep. for spikes is causing this retreat of investment and no more investment to enter isn't that a fucking weird situation it's basically like when in the Soviet Union, when they tried in like sixties and seventies to run the entire economy through a computer, but it never worked because everyone just lied about how much they were making. So you know, everyone was like, "Oh, everything's going really well. It's going well." But then, like, none of the materials were arriving that the computers said would arrive because, like, you know, it was all being kept to build some guys darker. That's really hilarious. Like, it's these crazy. Like, it's just this. It just sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? It's like a. It's like a. Like an episode out of Utopia. Basically. I, well, I, I guess, like you know, the thing that I think is important. To, um, to emphasize is like it's actually the breakdown like you have investment led by profit mm. and this is leading to this mm. weird breakdown in investment mm. and it's definitely like you know like crude Marxist point you make you know like it's really like this stage of capitalism is really putting a fetter on the means of on the development of the of the means of production yeah right? totally and apparently on the other side like on the retail side um, of energy production as well like Basically, it's again the problem of the average rate of profit. It's like, like mm. for households, you don't um, you don't like go. Oh, my power bill's too high. I'm not going to buy any electricity. Mm. So, like, since it means that the market doesn't compete in the way that it's meant to be, and so it, like the Thwaites report, looking in Victoria, and the Grattan Institute again looking at Victoria, are just like, well, power companies just charge whatever the fuck they want. Mm. Because there's like um, and very little ability for people to leave uh, mm. the market. So they, the Grattan Institute emphasises that uh, retail power um, estimates that retail power mm. providers have a, a profit 
on like about 12% when yep. like the standard retail profit hovers between three to six. Mm. So it's, but, but I think like, like this is what the LNP are trying to tap into. Yeah. And that decline in North Queensland. Yeah, totally. I mean, I guess that, that kind of sets the frame for those three parties really is that, you know, like there's a lot of kind of competition around kind of around energy on the one hand and then kind of like with the state government, state elections is always small questions of infrastructure, mm. you know, like what well, seems small to us, I guess we don't answer small to people who are stuck on the M1 for like three hours yeah. trying to get between the Gold Coast and Brisbane. But, you know, like there are those issues as well. But um, in the main, you know, like there's not a lot to differentiate those three those three parties, like One Nation doesn't have any overtly racist policies. And in a way, you know, you can make the argument that basically One Nation in the 90s were really racist for the 90s, but, you know, now both sides of politics have really just, like, copied so much out of Hanson's playbook that, you know, there's there's not much further to go in that regard. Mm, and, and the racist panic has moved from, like, you know, yeah. it's hard to remember that, like, One Nation in the 90s was targeted at East Asian mm. immigration. Yeah, and right. Pauline Hanson denies that now. <laughs> It's mind blowing. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, like, it's like one nation has and always will hate Muslims. It's, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's not funny, but it kind of is. Unfortunately, yeah, um, but yeah fucking crazy. I, but I think just the final thing on power prices, of course, yeah. is in the situation where wages are stagnating, like rising yeah. power prices, as we do experience it as a drop in the real wage. Yeah, totally. You yeah, know, like our wages yeah. are stagnating, and and it's like. Mm. Um, it really fucking says something that except for the Greens, and we will get to the Greens mm. in Queensland, yep. there hasn't been a successful left argument around power prices. Yes, because there hasn't been any real attempt to like connect with any kind of populist or popular sentiment even mm. around electricity. There's just been kind of like steady state. Like the Labour Party is just run a steady state, really. Yeah. They're just trying to like keep everything from falling apart. Yeah, I think as well it's like the green, like ecological politics mm. um, has suffered so much from a kind of hair shirt austerity approach mm. that it doesn't really mind things becoming more expensive if the idea is that people will consume less. Totally. You know, yeah. which um, which like just plays into to the hands of the right. So like, okay, so mm. like they're the... Queensland has serious structural problems. People are mm. experiencing them. You know, like things aren't fucked, but it's like, no. you know, like slowly worsening conditions. Not mm. much difference between the major parties. I guess the other thing is like Labor is kind of wedged on Adani, I guess. Yeah. You could, yeah, like they're, like I've been saying for years, like no one really wants this mine to go ahead. It's just a matter of like, how long it's going to take to fall over mm. and you know that no side really wants to be responsible for losing you know like however many jobs anyone currently believes his mind's going to lead to but but at the same time though like in a world where like like i read an article by my friend nick on novara recently which was just mm. kind of sobering in the sense of just how fucked we are ecologically mm. like i think in my mind when it comes to climate change i think that still we still live ten years ago. Yeah. You know, that we've still got this window for really having an impact. And Nick's article was like, actually, no, we don't. We're fucked. Yeah. But like Adani and stopping the mine, I think, has become this point where people are like, okay, it's fucked, but let's let you know, like but the collapse yeah. of mainstream 
climate change politics. Like this yeah. is the point where people's opposition is coming in as well. Yeah, totally. I think, yeah, Adani's become a fight a lot bigger than just the mine, obviously. Mm. Like it, it, it takes in a whole lot of stuff kind of in a way that, that kind of the Jabaluka mine in a way did. It, it brings in indigenous concerns. It brings in kind of land use concerns and, and these kind of not completely hidden racial aspect about, you know, like, you know, domination of Australian industry by, you know, Indian conglomerates. Yeah, There's a lot going on. It? And it's Very. also people trying to save the fucking world, John. Yeah, it is. No, that's true. I'm, know, not gonna I, shit I, on. I'm not going to shit on their parade, mate. Yeah, yeah. like, I, I'm, um, and I don't say it with any kind of sarcasm. I think that's really some of, there's like yeah. a sober apocalyptic thought that are motivating mm. people's behavior here. But, yes. Um, so that, that's business as usual, right? Yep. Like, I don't know who's going to win. No, let's not even worry about that. Yeah, because we're and always. Last time we stuffed that up pretty badly. We stuffed so, it up. We stuffed yeah. it up really badly. It, no it one does, listens to us anyway. It does seem like <laughs> it does seem like the polls are suggesting that everyone's doing badly. Yeah, pretty much. You know, uh, so yeah, and depending on who you read, one nation's either going to fuck the libs or Labour, mm. and maybe both at the same time. Yeah, potentially like a twenty percent vote. 18 to 20 yet but in Ipswich West it's going to be like this is the thing is they need to get pretty much above all the other parties so mm. they need to get like in the mid 30s roughly to and win there's only there's a, yeah to win a seat there's only a few like Ipswich West is one where they're getting close but you know mostly they're hovering around the 2025 so it's potentially which isn't enough to get them yeah even their, them their current state leader Steve whatever his name is He's um, going to lose his seat. He's yeah. going to lose his seat, right? Oh, totally. But, but yeah. the the farmer out in the kind of crazy Christian farmer out in Lockyer, who God yeah. told him to run for One Nation, he might win. Oh yeah, um, totally. No, you know. So, well, what did they plop? What's his name? Malcolm Roberts. He's he's, a, he's Ipswich. Um, oh, that's going to be good. Well, it's, it's it's interesting because like like um, oh my God, I'm just looking at the One Nation website and it's got a picture of Pauline speaking to someone in like a Patriot T-shirt. Oh and they pretend not to be Nazis. Yeah, it's a, it's like I wonder if they can just like like if you look closely, like like the earrings have swastikas on them, um, <laughs> like, but like um, this this in like, I think Ipswich is kind of like the butt of a lot of jokes for people in Queensland and Australia, yeah. and Ipswich is actually a far more interesting place than um, people often consider. Mm. Um, you know, like, and there's a lot of on-the-ground Ipswich opposition to Pauline and yeah. to Malcolm Roberts. So there have been these great posters lately which someone not attached to the parties as far as I can, um, as I, as far as I'm aware, have, like, you know, Malcolm Roberts not wanted an Ipswich posters. But mm. there was this weird thing that happened the other day where Malcolm Roberts was doing, like, a barbecue with some like you know father's rights quasi-fascist mm. group and then like quite prevalent union officials mm. confronted them at the barbecue and there's been like reports like there's been reports of um clashes between like unionists and uh, one nation campaigners all around queensland and the thing that's interesting mm. about the union campaign is that like you can tell that in their material they're quite concerned that one nation appeals to a section of their members and oh, so totally, yeah. their, their anti-one nation stance is very much framed in the sense of like 
they're just the LNP. Yeah, totally. That's the that's the line you get. But it's kind of weird. Yeah, like this kind of weird staging of like one rump. The you know the 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 ALP bureaucracy rump goes to fight against you know like twelve fathers' rights advocates. Yeah, totally. Picnic, and that's like politics. Yeah, that's a really fucking weird situation, right? <laughs> like, yeah. um, and also mixed up in that some bigger fight at the same time. Like, on one yeah. hand, it is just these like rumps, as you said, but on the other hand, yeah. there's something bigger going on out there where people are trying to articulate how they yeah. have a decent society. No, that's right, and I think that might be where we can segue into the Greens. Mm. So, obviously, um, oh, why don't you start, John? Sure. I mean, so yeah, I mean, obviously we've got, on the one hand, um, Jono had a really great win in the Brisbane City Council elections mm. and represents Gabba Ward now, and that's been really cool. And since then, pretty much the same team who were behind that victory have come behind Amy McMahon mm-hmm. to win the seat of South Brisbane of Jackie Trad, mm-hmm. who's like Deputy Prime Premier, mm-hmm. um, I think. And... Opinion polls have it really bloody close. Like last yeah. time I saw it was, was 51-49 in the Greens', Greens favour. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's more interesting, I suppose. You know, we know a lot of the people involved in this, but how smart they've managed to play, I think, this election and drip-feeding really interesting policies. Yeah. Or like, as I was told by someone recently, not policies, policy initiatives. Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting situation. Like, obviously, in the background here, there's like the big debates about reform or revolution, right? How do you change mm. society? Mm. But I think what those debates miss is within particularly that South Brisbane campaign, Yeah, there's like a group of comrades who are attempting a particular project, Yeah, which is to try to, I guess, use election campaigns to both mm. win those campaigns and expand social contestation yep. and build social movements through a very much like Srinicek and Williams strategy of radical reformism. Like yeah, I, totally. I don't know if pe- I don't know like if like key people are reading the Srinicek and Williams Inventing this the Future is that book. book um, Inventing the Future. Yeah, yeah. But it's certainly like I, I finished reading it the other day because I, you know, I went, oh, I'm going to finish reading the books I've actually half read. So mm. I went back and finished. I'm like, this looks like what they're doing. Yeah. But I think the thing that's kind of interesting is like I think there's like a like there's a civil war going on in the Greens nationally. Yeah. Fought in a very kind of Greens way between like the main part of the Greens around Richard Di Natalio. Is it Di Natalio or Di Natalio? Di Natale. Di Natale. Just Di Natale. Um, Di Natale. All right. Mm. Um, you, which are very much, you know, kind of soft liberal technocrats with environmental mm. politics and, you know, the kind of left renewal in New South Wales, the fight yeah. over Lee Rhiannon trying to maintain her pre-selection and the like. Yeah. But what's happening in Queensland, I think, is that effectively, like, the left has been able to launch an initiative without having, like, an external fight. Yeah. Because the Greens up here were just, in some ways, just a husk. Yeah, totally. They were a quite right-wing husk as well um, until not that long ago. And then, you know, Jono came in and injected, well, not just Jono, but all the people around, all mm. the amazing, you know, 
comrades who were doing stuff around Right to the City, Brisbane Free Uni, um, and who inserted all of that energy into this campaign. Yeah. And we're able to win, and the Greens were like, "What is going on here?" <laughs> yeah, t- and, we, we, you know, we didn't expect to actually win this, and then I think they got a lot of leeway. Yeah, and that's led to I think what are some like the policies of some of those radical stuff, and like achievable stuff that's like been said by a party that wasn't the Socialist Alliance. Yeah, so, for so some it's, time. So it's it's interesting, right? Because like it, they they've got this like, and the, I think the thing is. The, the downside of their strategy, which is not really to have mm. a public fight about what they're doing, is yeah. it can be hard to see the strategy. Mm. Like, if that makes sense. Like, but I, mm. I think what their like their strategy is both like radical reforms, but also building up. You know, um, so the right to the city kind of extra parliamentary mm. stuff, mm. but also this kind of project of attempting to build like a different common sense through directional demands or radical reforms yeah. or whatever. That's- yeah, and it's a the the slogan that it's framed around is a future for all of us. Mm. And what are the standout kind of um, policies at the moment? It's public transport for wonderful mm. fares and free for everyone under the age of eighteen. Um, or something. Out of mind blank. Quick, John, jump in. What are the Uni- standard universal child childcare? Yeah, three days a week, free for everyone. And there's the policy on building 100,000 or 200,000 yeah, public this, homes in yeah, the next this is 10 amazing. years, so, which um, will be available to everyone universally. There was a bit of a fight within the branch, apparently, but the universal access right um, to anyone, basically. It'll be 25% of income, which is basically what um, public housing is at the moment. But, but, of, course, like, but of course, one of the ways that um, public housing has been, um, like undermined is to redefine it as housing only for the poor. Yeah, totally, totally. You know, like, so when I, I remember there was a Greens member of the Legislative Assembly in Canberra who was kind of driven out of living in public housing because she was shamed for it. You know, so this mm. is an attempt to rechange public housing. And it's been amazing the response um, of, like, the... Yeah. the uh, so um, the Property Council has said it'll be, like, East Berlin... And oh, totally. like Liberty yeah. Works have like cited the Soviet Union, so it's it's fucking crazy. It's like mm. um, the Courier Mail did. Yeah, like, it's amazing, right? Yeah. I think that's the yeah. other thing to talk about about the fight too. Is the Courier Mail is quite clearly a supporter of the LNP as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like that's not really hidden. And, They're not trying to hide that. And I think the other thing that's really interesting about the Greens' effort as well is like their ability mm. to mobilise huge amounts of people to do door knocking. Yeah, which totally. I think kind of shamefully, and it's not something that I've done, but mm. what comrades are reporting is like this is really an experience for a lot of people who are part of the left that we're part of or the ultra left mm. or whatever, talking to yeah. people outside the bubble. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And actually like, yeah, getting out there and like doing like that was basically, you know, people go back and listen to the interview, probably relevant to do so to go back and listen to the interview I did um, with Max and Natalie. Mm quite a while ago about Right to the City and, and about Jono's campaign and that tactic they used of actually going and talking yeah. to people and seeing what they actually thought. So, you know, they did up a list of things that they thought people would want and then went out and had a chat mm. to a whole bunch of people and found out, oh, no, they actually this is actually what people want yeah. and then made that into the centre. So it was like this weird sort of, you know, it's like weird to us now. It's like, oh, you do what people, you actually demand what people want. Mm. 
Like, that's not what politics usually is. And the thing that's really interesting, looking at the Greens right now, if you look at their top, the policies that they're campaigning on, mm. home for all, ban corruption, power for people, yep. plan yep. for Queensland. So home yep. for all, you know, and yes, I'm just on the website. power policy is really great. It's like nationalisation, right? So, yeah, basically. Well, re-nationalisation, yeah. you know, like Queensland never hasn't gone to the same degree that the other states have in terms of nationalising, of, of, of privatising, sorry. Yeah. Um, so it will be pretty much just creating a state, yeah, and um, a state company that will compete with the others and basically just destroy them and, 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 <laughs> within and, a short period of time. And funded through increased taxation, right? W what I'm not yep. seeing here is Save Nemo. Yeah, right? totally. Like this yeah. is not, Let I'm alone not, NIMBYism I'm, when you're building 100,000 yeah, houses. I'm not seeing sugar tax here. Mm. This, like this is a radical social democratic platform. Yeah, totally. So what's the viability of this approach? I think that'll, that'll be tested on Saturday night um, to a certain degree. But, um, you know, I think that they're looking, people involved are looking at, at the great successes, well, kind of, I guess, well, the successes of, of, of Jeremy Corbyn and, and, um, and Bernie Sanders and, mm. and looking at, you know, radical social Democrats are in the, are in the ascendancy. To, a, to an extent, you know, and socialism is back on the agenda. The, in America, the democratic socialists of America just picked up a whole buttload of relatively small but, you know, significant seats in various state assemblies across America without democratic party support. You know, like there's a sense of a rising tide of some sort of social democrat slash democratic socialist politics around the world. It's speaking to people in a way that obviously the kind of not quite neoliberalism of the main parties are. So I guess like, I think that diagnosis is correct. So to mm. my thinking then, like this kind of politics shares broadly both the benefits and the negatives of that. Yeah. So I think the the benefits are, to begin with, you know, is to shift the horizon of what people think is possible. Mm -hmm. um, even if it, you know, however far that is, it's to shift that horizon. It's to yep. bring people together and experience organising with each other. And yeah. I think, you know, like um, Rob has used a line in conversation. Um, can you just wait there just for one second? Sorry, I just had to let the cat in. <laughs> so, so is the cat with you. So is the cat. Um, so, so Rob has used the line in conversation that this is about like building up power in the context mm. of the slow crisis. So that I really yeah. like. Totally. And, um, we should try to capture and talk about with people involved and what their experiences are like. Mm. And it's certainly, you know, shifting the possibilities. But I guess my criticisms are then like, how much does this re-sow illusions that the state is a vehicle for social transformation, which I fundamentally don't think it is. Yeah. And how much is, like, the real enemy in this situation going to be confronted in the form of the actual Parliamentary Party of the Greens itself? You know, so... Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I think, like, I guess my thinking on this is shifted from my more classic ultra-leftism, where I think there's a certain amount of openness about this, Mm. Um, and it's not like necessarily predetermined that this will be captured 
like it might move in more radical ways, but it's mm. simultaneously not predetermined that this is in itself a successful strategy. Mm. Like so, like, and I think like success, like I really want, like I think I will be so happy if Amy wins that seat. Like yep. partly because you'll be able to hear the sound of like a thousand young laborist careerists hope in the future die. <laughs> um, and I hate those people. <laughs> yeah, know? oh, this is, this is a very good reason to but, have a victory. But the vic- like a victory would also like massively embolden Im- and embiggen um, mm. people's belief about what is possible. But I think like simultaneously, like the... The, the gravitational power of the recuperation of the state and the illusion in the capacity of the state will, will grow at the same time. Um, it'll be really how, what how, you know, like it, it'll, there's going to be, victory will mean a higher level of contestation. Yeah, well, sense? I think that's, yeah, no, I think that's, that's kind of, you know, part of me, this is the old Trotskyist, I suppose, thinks of it in terms of, you know, transitional demands and, you know, they're not thinking about it in this way, but, you know, like these are demands that, you know, can't really be met within the terrain of capitalism, right? Well, like, in the end, this is pushing beyond capitalism to maybe, like, you know, and, like, it, definitely the state is still the center of the imagination here. Mm. But, you know, like, it's also facing, going to have to face the limitations of that, obviously, as well, and the possibilities inherent in organizing beyond the state, I which think I think is what they're kind of doing to an extent in, in other ways as well, people who are involved in these initiatives. Yeah, that, that's true. I think this, these are better than transitional demands, though, because like I think yeah. transitional demands were framed in the context of effectively you lie to people. Yeah, I know, you know that's the worst. You, yeah. you lie to people, you get their hopes up, when their hopes are dashed, then you go, "That's why yeah. we had to smash capitalism." I think yeah. like and all of these are like costed. All of these things are costed, and they would kind, they would work in a world in which capital would just give up the fight. Yeah, I, well, I, I guess that that's you know, well, I guess there's a couple of. Um, things to it i think it's like how do we imagine the transformation beyond capitalism what do we imagine that to look like mm. um and we don't know right like i think that, <laughs> that like you know it's that it's the 100th anniversary of the russian revolution and mm. i think we ages ago we talked about maybe doing a show about that but like yeah. what whatever our analysis of the russian revolution is it, it, if that's mm. our model of social transformation it's not particularly mm. applicable no. To contemporary Australian society, even if you are an insurrectionary, you know, yeah, like, even right. if you have an insur- yeah. insurrectionary revolutionary approach, you know, your strategy is not going to be getting the army to mutiny to storm the post office. Um, <laughs> like, because when you got there, it'd be just like 12 craft beer bars. <laughs> um, but so I think it really how we imagine that kind of um. Yeah, what we imagine the temporality and, and what change looks like. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think, like, because, you know, if, if Amy wins, like, does she then accept, like, a position, mm. you know, supporting the ALP government? Um, well, I mean, the ALP said they're not going to do that. So I think yeah. that, that's interesting as well. But they always say that, you know, yeah, um, when it comes to brass tacks. And also as well, I think, like, Every kind of victory that we get makes capitalism mm. panic, right? Yeah, totally. So, like, I think, you know, the response of the right, which is, like, the Greens will scare away capital, is actually true. Yeah, I mean, just, you know, this morning in the Australian, you know, like, there's this front-page article, that, you know, 
Scott Morrison is reaching out to business and saying, you know, you need to be more energetic in your campaigning. You know, yes. we need to be out there, you know, campaigning for tax cuts, campaigning, you know, like they're aware that there's like a hegemonic battle going on and we, that they're kind of losing it. <laughs> which is super interesting because like why is capital not defending its interests? Like, Because the know, capital doesn't have clear interests at the moment, I think, because uh, is one of the important questions, important yeah. points, I think. I think so. Like this is like this is why it kind of shits me about when people talk about neoliberalism in the present. Because mm. when like neoliberalism formed in the seventies, capital had mm. energy. Yeah, um, totally, you know, it was dynamic. Yeah, totally dynamic. Well, I think we should. I think we're hitting about an hour now, John. I think so we should wrap, we should wrap up. up. Yeah. Um, but I, so I guess like it, it's actually the Greens at the moment that are making this election different. Right? Yeah, totally. and making it interesting. I think the other thing is as well that I wanted to talk about as as well is that part of the appeal of this green strategy is that mm. it speaks to a question of power. And totally. Like for those yeah. of, for people like me, mm. like who are critical of it, like we don't have a clear alternative use of power to present, right? Like you could no. hypothetically talk about general strikes or anarcho syndicalist unions or insurrection yeah. communes or whatever you want. But like in their absence, mm. like that's just bullshit at some you know, totally. like yeah, um, that's right. And like I, I think I think that's a it's a, it is actually a real like if if the financial crisis happen the global crisis happens tomorrow you know, the situation in Australia is suddenly worse and we have to, like, pull together to just even defend mm. basic conditions. Like, the contacts and networks and experiences of people door-knocking for Amy will be yep. a reservoir for mm. that struggle or any struggle, mm. right? And mm. and, so, and, and door-knocking in, in Maywa right next door um, yeah. in Tawang and whatnot. Where Michael Berkman is, depending on who you believe, more likely to win than Amy in terms of, like, moving those votes. Mm. That's happening across across the inner city, which is another issue we haven't really talked about. But you know, like, probably space for another show, like a reflective show to yeah. think about about that. But yeah, like those connections are going to be really important, and actually doing like community organizing. Yeah, you know, although that's kind of an American term, which is kind of funny in and of itself that we don't really have a term for what the Americans call community organising. And, and I think there's also, like, um, other things that is worth noticing. The the candidate, yeah. I've forgotten his name, who is in the seat where Maruka is. Uh, um, just because he's, like, uh, just one moment. He's super interesting because, like, he's an Indian bloke. Mm. Um, and, you know, being on his Facebook page is, like, like connecting with like a migrant community in in a way mm. of political articulation that like bucks the racism of our moment, right? Like totally. Um, Navdeep Singh, yeah, no, who's the right, candidate yeah. for Anala, which used to be my mm. seat, but I've just been moved over to Mount Omni. Um, oh yeah, in, you would in, in the in the redistribution, there's a bunch of really interesting candidates that are running too, and even also out yeah. like like at the Dara Street Festival. The mm. largest political presence was the Greens. Yeah, no. it know, really like, cuts across the sort of recent, especially with the with the high no vote in these, you know, supposedly you know ethnic enclave communities. You know, yeah, all totally. this all this bullshit that people have been parading around. You know, just go out and actually, you know, like 
Well, but it's experience like, Western Brisbane. Yeah, well, totally. and also the idea, like, part of the, like what's been so crap about this discussion about, like, Western Sydney and the high no vote is this kind of notion mm. that, like, ethnic communities are, like, pre-politically mm. essentially constituted with, like, an opinion. Yeah, totally, because you know, like, they just go, you know, like, this is what you say about Catholics in the 20s. Yeah, for, yeah. It's, or just part of the Pope's battalions. Where, where it's actually obviously, like, any group of people is there's always a political antagonism to go that goes on within it. You know, like, if you were to grab a category like Iraqis, you would have mm. everyone in that from people who are members of the Worker Communist Party to people who are religious conservatives. <laughs> you know, like, totally. Well, like, yeah. when I used to live in Wollongong, there was, like, um, like, for the Greek community, there were two different Orthodox churches, you know, one mm. church for people who supported the junta and one church for people who opposed it. Like, yeah, you know, like in the last couple of years in Australia, amongst mm. Chilean Chileans in Australia, you've been able to find like yeah. refugees from Pinochet and also operatives of the secret police who tortured them. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like yeah, it, it's like and it's just fucking and so it's really super interesting, right? Like, mm. you know, that the, this candidate who's like openly in a, the racist climes of Australia, right? Like, mm. um, you know, campaigning within. A community is also there's a process of political contestation. What a fascinating story, right? Mm. Like, um, uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's super interesting. I do. I, I agree. I think it is really interesting. And yeah, it'll be really interesting to see where the chips fall because I literally yeah. have no idea and where I, the chips are going to fall on Saturday night. I also think as well, like the reaction, how the mainstream of the Greens respond to this will be really interesting too. Oh, totally. Yeah, I mean. Um, yeah, I mean, will there be, you know, if there is a loss, if they do not succeed, will there be a kind of a move against sort of the far-left elements mm. within the party? You know, let's not even think about if there is a loss, you know, but still, like, it's worth, you know, like, that. you know, there's all sorts of possibilities. Yeah. You know, but if we, it's a victory, of course, and that's a consolidation of this of this strategy. And, and, how, and how to respond to it. I, I did notice, exactly. like, um, on social media, like Peter Wish Wilson, that's the Green oh, Senator, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Who apparently originally, when the Queensland Greens came out with their pro renter stand like policy, yeah. Um, yeah. like he condemned it, you know, yeah. in a kind of defense of private property. But recently yeah. at some conference, like facilitated a workshop on like, is capitalism broken? You know, like that's some interesting contradictions going on here, yes. right? Yes. No, I mean, the Greens are a, are a, are a constantly moving um, terrain, yeah. as you said. Like, it'll be an interesting, interesting to see how inter-party politics goes. Yeah, yeah, very Irrespective much so. of how this falls. But we should probably wrap up. Yeah, we should wrap up. Concluding thoughts? Um, okay, so I think Queensland, like Australia, is in this kind of slow, worsening situation. Um mm. The, none of the mainstream parties can really respond to this. Maybe no one can really um, respond to it within the frameworks of, of capitalism. Certain mm. big issues around power come up and the like, major regional disparities. In the absence of any other kind of radical project at the moment, mm. a bunch of comrades have made an intervention, to use an old left term, mm. into the Greens that... I think is exceeding people's expectations. Yeah, and oh, I'm going to be I'm going to be out there on Saturday campaigning for the Greens, uh, handing out how to vote cards. So I'd, it's energised me. <laughs> well, which is interesting, right? Like, um, yeah. And so, like, 
And I also think people from the revolutionary left are responding to it in a way that's not that shitty kind of left mm. entryism, if that makes sense. Yeah, certainly. Like that's there's a, right. I mean, there's, yeah. It's there's not the clear to Simon Party again. Yeah, there's something bigger going on here. Okay, your sum, your sum up. Well, my sum up is, I think, um, yeah, the, 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 this is a, a moment in which, you know, we can really see that the left does really have a chance maybe to, to make, and is making some hegemonic ground here. The way that the right is, is running for cover, the way that the Korea Mail says that everything, you know, left of labor is is East Germany. Mm. You know, like there's there's the space for, for real contestation in the train of ideas. And, but that, yeah, but as we've discussed, I think, you know, this, there, there are real limits to that that will need to be confronted. But if we're, if we're organizing together, mm. then we've got a better chance of overcoming those than if we weren't. I think the other thing I wanted to add to is if we really want to oppose Adani, mm. then post-capitalism needs to be a today project, not a future project. That's right, yeah. Because, yep, if, totally. if, because if you don't have a post-capitalist project for North Queensland, mm. you're just leaving, right, yeah. you're just condemning yep. people to 12% unemployment. That's right, or more. Or more. Quite a lot more. Yeah. And yeah, we need to invent the future now. Yeah, like, like um, it's interesting, yeah, like, we have had discussions about UBI before and if we support it or if we don't. But, um, mm. you know, like it's hard to imagine like a good life in North Queensland except for some form of UBI, formations of commons, community workshops with 3D technology, you know, printers in it. Like yeah, totally. capital can't offer anything to the North. Oh, that's right. I did notice that part of the Labour Party policy is building artificial reefs, so you know, maybe everybody can go out and, and paint coral. It's a so that we can, you know, it is horrible, isn't it? Anyway, let's end on a good note. Um, let's see the, the greens. Yeah, look, and hopefully um, pick up a seat or two on Saturday night. Yep, and for um, we can maybe do a dissection in like in the coming weeks for people mm. to update on what's. Um, going on so we have had a guest show um, which has been recorded by a friend of ours um, talking about international global union federations so oh, cool. I, it's almost ready to go I've just got to stick something on the front of that um, oh, I've ha cool. we've had another really interesting show about a particular industrial dispute but it is so red hot um, I've been asked to sit on it for six months, so um, it's probably a good point given the discussions we've had about it yeah. to um, to protect the innocent. Um, yes, and, and I haven't had a chance to start recording it yet, but all the notes are written for episode three of Marx's oh. textbook, talking about value and prices. Very exciting! Yeah. It's my hands rubbing together. No one yep. could hear that. Yeah. So you know, when that's out, uh, open a a. Um, Living the Dream approved craft beer and Indeed. drink it in. We will, we will provide a list. <laughs> All right. All this right, John. Good. You have a lovely Thanks. night. Bye, mate. I will. You do, mate. Bye.